Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 111 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Before we get started, I do want to apologize for my extended hiatus. Uh, my work schedule has been crazy. I've also been dealing with a back injury that I sustained with the most silliest of ways, and I've been out of commission for the last several weeks. I haven't been able to sit, stand, walk, drive, or lay down. And just recently, uh, here in the last couple of days, I've been able to get some movement in my back. I've been able to tolerate sitting down. So, I decided, you know what? I need to put out an episode. It's been way past due. So here we go again. I want to apologize and thank you for everyone who was concerned about why I wasn't putting out any more episodes. No, the podcast is not getting shut down. No, I am not canceling anything. I love doing podcasts. I love putting episodes out for you guys. So I do want to thank you guys for everyone sending their, their concerns and well wishes. So let's go ahead and get started. Today's episode 111. What does Graveyard Grumbler have? in store for episode 111. Well, I know that I was doing those viruses and I, I decided that I'm not going to do it. I'm going to shout out to my brother, Marcos Romero, Chewbox. He gave me an episode to do. He was very curious about this whole thing and he wanted me to make an episode on it. So I said, fine, shoot me the, the information, shoot it, and I, I will go ahead and get this episode started. So today's episode is going to be about a missing person case that has been unsolved. Yes, I'm going back to the Unsolved Mysteries. I'm going back to Missing Persons. I might do some serial killers. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. But today's episode, episode 111, is about the disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin. Grumbler, who the fuck is Dennis Lloyd Martin? I do, let me share with you what, who that person is, and we'll go ahead and get into it, because I didn't know who this person was until my brother brought it up, and I started doing some research. So who is Dennis Martin? Dennis Lloyd Martin, born June 20th, 1962, was an American child who disappeared on June 14th, 1969 in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee at the age of six. Now, you, the first thing you think of is like, why in the hell is a six-year-old being lost in the woods in, uh, in the Americas in, great, in good old USA at the age of six? Well, calm down. We're going to get to that. I will tell you the whole reasoning and why this kid was, was lost. I got to get there. I have to build it up. You know what I mean? The search effort was the most extensive in the park's history, involving approximately 1,400 searchers and a 56-square-mile area. Look, 56 square miles is a huge, huge area to cover. And then you think about it. You have 1,400 searchers looking for this little child, this little, this little boy. You will have to think, you have to sit back and think, well, why was there 1,400 people searching for this kid? Other kids get missing and you barely get a police force to look for them. You barely get a detective to look for them. But in this case, in this kid's case, you have 1,400 searchers, 1,400 people. That's 1,400 active, physically well-abled individuals going up and down through the Appalachian Mountains looking for a little six-year-old kid. Now, when I first read about this, I didn't think too much of it until my brain started working. The little hamster kicked me and said, yo... Check it out, my boy. This doesn't seem right. 1,400 people for one little six-year-old when before that there has been several people missing in the Appalachian Mountains. Why now? Why are we just sending out 1,400 people for this six-year-old? Oh, we'll get to that. So a lot of people who aren't in the America, who aren't in the USA, want to know what is the Smoky Mountains? 
The Great Smoky Mountains National Park straddles the border between North Carolina and Tennessee. The sprawling landscape encompasses lush forests and abundance of wildflowers that bloom year-round. Stream, rivers, and waterfalls appear along hiking routes that include a segment of the Appalachian Trail. An observation tower tops Klingman's Dome, the highest peak, offering scenic views of the mist-covered mountains. If you haven't, it, well, if you're on your phone right now, just Google the the Smoky Mountains, and you will see how gorgeous they are. The the smoke. I, I want to go there one day, just just to say that I've been to the Appalachian Mountains and I've been to the Appalachian Trail, and just just to take in the scenery of the gorgeous Smoky Mountains. It is probably one of the most gorgeous forests we have here in USA. I definitely want to go there. Obviously, the six-year-old shouldn't have gone there. Too soon? Too soon, right? (laughs) Oh, man, it feels good to be back on the podcast. However, we're not here for me to to do my little one-liners. But if if you're Googling the the Smoky Mountains, picture it's dense forest. It's it's dense. I mean, crazy dense. I've seen it on there. I've looked up the places. I've actually been to Tennessee and Kentucky. I've been into that area, but I've never been into the actual Smoky Mountain Forest. But I, I know what it is, and I've seen it from the outside, but I was looking in. You know what I mean? So what exactly happened? Why, how did this little chillin', the, the little children right here go missing? How, how, how did it happen? On June 13th, 1969, William Martin brought his two sons, Douglas and Dennis Martin, and his father, Clyde, on a camping trip. It was Father's Day weekend, and the family planned to hike through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which isn't, it isn't strange. I mean, you have, think about it, this was back in the 60s. A lot of people, especially in poor regions of, of the United States, they don't have great entertainment. And of course, back in the, in the day days, we didn't have smartphones and tablets and everything. So we actually had to go out and find our own entertainment. And of course, one of the greatest things to do is you go hiking around the area that you live in, right? Right. There's nothing wrong with that. You absolutely know what's, what to expect, right? Especially if you're from that area, and the Martins apparently were from the Tennessee area, so they were very well aware of the density of of the of the woods that they were about to about to travel, about to hike in there. You know what I mean? However, as a parent, you never expect the worst thing to happen. You expect to come back with the same amount of people you left with, right? If there's an older person that happens to stray away and they don't make it back. Well, you know what? The mountains have them now. It, that, that's that's something that they're going to have to deal with on their own. However, we start to panic and become a little more paranoid when our little chillings will go missing, right? I know that my my oldest kid, when she was a little, when she was a wee little girl, and we would go into supermarkets like Walmart, Target, uh, you know, just pl- clothing places where we would go shopping. She would like to play a little prank where she would hide between or inside of the clothes racks. And she wouldn't say anything. She would be as quiet as a goddamn mute mouse. And my, and my wife and I would just panic looking around for her. And we're calling her name, calling her name. And then she'll pop out of nowhere. And boy, I wanted to snatch her little head. Boy, I tell you, I hated when she did that. So think about it. That was just in a clothing store. Could you imagine my kid doing that in the Appalachian Trail or the Great Smoky Mountains or the Sequoia Forest or the Redwood Forest or any type of forest? Where if you think you're going the right way, turns out to be the absolute wrong way. And now you're, you're marching somewhere away from, from civilization and just getting lost deeper into the, into the woods. I mean, again, my kid was, was young. I'm talking about like between three and six years old, she would do this. It, freak, it would freak my wife and me out, freak us out to, to no, no ends. I mean, we'd be so upset 
but relieved at the same time that we found her. Or not that we found her, but that she popped out. She's like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> Let's continue. The hike was a family tradition for the Martins, and the first day went smoothly. Six-year-old Dennis managed to keep up with the more experienced hikers. The Martins met up with family friends on the second day and continued to Spence Field, a highland meadow in the Western Smokies popular for its view. Okay, look, I understand that you want to get your, your kid, you want to get your, 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 your youngest up with the, with the big boys. You want to make sure that they're able to keep up and their little legs are pumping and grinding and, you know, they're, they're working harder to keep up than what we would. So exhaustion sets in a little quicker for children than what they would for adults, right? Right. I mean, we don't take as many steps. Think about it. If you're, if you're taking full steps, one of our steps might be two to three to four of a, little, of a six-year-old step, especially hiking. When you're hiking, you tend to take bigger steps so you can get, cover more ground. And so it's a little taxing on, on little legs. We get it. So my question is, why wasn't there a rope tied to this kid, like a leash or something? And I'm not, I'm not talking about being mean. We've all seen the little backpacks that kids walking around when we're out in the grocery store. We, we've seen those. But in the, in the grocery store, and for the longest time, I was actually against those leashed backpacks. But now that, the, that I've, I've grown up, and I've seen the dangers in the world, and I've seen videos of kids getting snatched right out of carts, right behind their mom, and I mean, right next to their mothers, without them even knowing. I mean, I've seen I've seen videos of of kidnappers walking by and snatching up a kid and covering their mouth, and the mom is so focused on doing the math to make sure that the items that she's getting that she can afford. And by the time she turns around and she knows that they're gone out the store, and they're in the van or car wherever they're going, and they're gone skis. Had they had the, the leash on them or the little leash backpack, then it would have been a little more different. You would have felt it move and you would have had not enough time to react. Again, for the longest time, I was completely against leashing your kids. But now that I'm older, I don't have any problem with leashing my kids. I mean, I don't have any problem with that now. I mean, my youngest is 13 now, going to be 14 here pretty soon. My oldest is going to be 20. So I don't really have that issue anymore. But for you younger people or for the, for the parents who have younger kids, Think about putting a leash on your kid. I mean, a little rope to the belt loop or to, you know, the little backpack. I've seen little cute backpacks that they have around. It's not a bad idea since there's a lot of kidnapping going around right now. But back to the story. So six-year-old Dennis managed to keep up with the more experienced hikers. My question is, if you are more experienced hikers, why didn't you have this kid around your neck? You know, why, why didn't you have him sitting on your shoulders? That way you're able to hike and then take turns with the other adults that were there. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not blaming the dad for the disappearance of his kid. Kids do the damnedest things. But it just feels that from what I've read, they didn't do enough. Again, this was the late 60s as well. But they didn't do enough to try to protect this child from coming up missing. As the adults gazed at the scenic mountain laurel, the boy snuck off to pull a prank on the parents. But it, not, it did not go as planned. During the prank, Dennis va vanished into the woods. His family never saw him again, and the child's disappearance would launch the largest search and rescue effort in the park's history. If you Google how many people have gone missing in the Smoky Mountains, the number is quite staggering. It's a surprising number, knowing that that many people have gone lost, gone missing in the Smoky Mountains here in the good old USA. But why would the largest search and rescue effort in park history be conducted? We'll get into that later. See, okay, look at if you're gonna if you're kids, kids, if you're listening to me right now, if you have if you if you're a young kid right now under the age of ten, do not pull pranks like that in the middle of the wild, and don't do not do stuff like that in the woods 
Because you might get snatched up by something or someone and we're never going to find you. you know, we, we can't give a little whistle. Boop, boop. Give a little whistle. Boop, boop. We, can, we can't do any of that so you can respond to us because you're probably deep down somewhere buried face down in the fucking woods somewhere. Or you're getting mauled by something or someone. You don't pull pranks like that in the wilderness. I know it sounds like a great idea, but it's not. Don't do it. Now, if you're around the campsite where there's a certain vicinity that you're going to be able to come in and out of, then that's fine. But if you're on an active trail and people have their back turned towards you, do not attempt any of those pranks. Or if you're not, okay, so, okay, say that you're young, but you're familiar with the woods. Okay, still don't do it. Just don't. Just stop. Listen to the grumbler. He knows what he's talking about. I'm, I'm 41 years old. I survived long enough not to pull dumb pranks like that and, st- and survived. Dennis Martin set off on the hike wearing a red T-shirt. It was the six-year-old's first overnight camping trip. The youngest in his family, Dennis must have been excited to go on the annual Father's Day hike in the Smoky Mountains. Of course he was. Any kid that's going to go out with their parents, with their dad, especially back in the, in the days, or dad's period... You want to be with the big kids. You want to know that every single year for the past five years, or at least we'll say four years of, of his existence, of his, of his memories that he was able to form, that he knows that his dad and his older brother would go out on a camping trip and spend a night every single Father's Night. I mean, they would spend, they, they would stay overnight in this, in this you know, I'm, I'm guessing boys-only camping trip to where they did whatever they wanted, talked about whatever they want, ate s'mores, you know, they, they, they did all of that shit. But as a kid, you say, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And so when the excitement builds up every year, knowing that you're going to be able to, to attend and join in the reindeer games, you get that much more excited. Knowing, just knowing that you're going to be hanging out with your dad and the other big boys. Now you feel like a big boy. Now you feel like you're important. However, Maybe six, year old, six years old was a little too young for this boy to go out on his first camping trip. That's just my opinion. It's an unprofessional opinion, but it is my opinion. Let me know what you guys think. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram. I'm going to start becoming more active on my social. I'm, I, I hate social media. I have a real hard time loading stuff consistently, so I do apologize for that. Back to the story. But on the second day of the trip, tragedy struck. On June 14, 1969, the hikers reached Spence Field. After meeting up with another family, Dennis and his brother split off with two other boys to play together. William Martin watched as the children whispered a plan to sneak up on the adults. The boys melted into the forest, though Dennis' red shirt stood out against the greenery. See, here's my, this is, this is the thing that, that boggles me. This is what, what befuddles my brain right now. So the dad saw his child walk the, the boy, uh, what's, his, what's his kid's name? Dennis was wearing a red shirt. Red isn't a blendable color in the forest of green or brown. Red is going to stand out a lot. So what, what burns my brain right now is that his dad saw Dennis, or, or Dennis's dad, William, saw Dennis sneak into the forest or melt away, kind of blending in with the shrubbery with his bright red shirt but yet okay hold on where did he go so so let's continue that i'm I'm getting ahead of myself and i'm not telling you guys the whole story and i'll i'll I'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that so where did dennis go okay we just i just read the part where they him and a couple of other boys constructed a plan to hide inside the woods and scare the parents 
boogie. Oh my gosh, you scared me so bad. I am terrified. Yeah, you know, however, Tennessee people speak. You know, no offense to anyone in Tennessee. But we understand that there was a plan constructed. That they're going to scare the parents. The parents, are, well, the dad already knew that the parent, the kids were going to try to scare him. So they were already planning on their scared face. Hey, oh my gosh, you scared me. I'm so, so frightened. You know, they were practicing it over and over, what I'm assuming. But let's continue. Soon, the older boys jumped out laughing, but Dennis was no longer with them. As the minutes ticked by, William knew something was wrong. He began calling for Dennis, confident the boy would respond, but there was no answer. So I was, I was looking into the timeline, and in the time that it took them to hide, or the time that it, it, it took them to talk about this plan, to put it into action and to execute it was literally 15 to 20 minutes total elapsed time. 15 to 20 minutes. For all of us working people, we know that 15 to 20 minutes isn't very long. We get a 15-minute break, and then we get a 30-minute break, depending on where you work. I don't have that luxury. I don't get lunch breaks. But for the most, for the, for the majority, for the lot, the, for the lot of you, 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 got, you guys get a 30-minute break, and we all know how fast that 30 minutes goes. So think about 15 to 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes goes by and one child is missing. Again, he was wearing bright colors, a bright, a red shirt in order. It was, it was bright enough, obviously, for them for it to stand out within the green and the brown of the forest. 15 to 20 minutes. And when the other boys jumped out, Dennis was nowhere to be found. He was nowhere to be seen. And the dad is out there calling for him. Dennis! Dennis! Yo, Dennis! If you, Dennis, if you can hear me, blink twice. Dennis, if you can hear me, wiggle your ears. Dennis, Dennis, you know, and, and Dennis is just not, not, not answering. Now, did Dennis just not answer to continue the prank or did something happen to Dennis? Let's find out. The adults quickly searched the nearby forest, hiking up and down several trails looking for Dennis. William covered miles of trails, frantically calling for Dennis. It goes back to the story where I said that when my when my oldest when my when my oldest kid was hiding inside of the clothes racks, my heart was pounding and I was frantically searching for my daughter. I would scream out. I would not not frantically yell out, but in a voice that, I mean, again, I have a booming voice. I have a very deep projecting voice. And so I would call out for my daughter, Victoria. Well, I, I called her Mika, and I'm like, Mika, you know, and I, and I was frantically calling. And that was, that was just inside of a clothing store. Could you imagine the woods where you call a name and you don't know, you, you holler something. And as the person being hollered for, you don't know where it's coming from, so you start taking different steps and going different places, which is all bad, right? We're, we're taught in Survival 1 that if you get lost, stay where you are at and don't walk or try to go anywhere because the chances of them finding you increases if you stay in the same spot that they last saw you in, right? Right. But as a six-year-old being scared and wandering about the woods, it... it you're in a labyrinth of fucked. You're just in a labyrinth of fucked. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's happening. 
and you just start getting scared. I mean, I was, I, I was, well, I remember when I was six years old, I lost my mom in the only grocery store we ever went to, which was Food Max or Food for Less back in the good old days. I lost my mom in the aisle, just the, the following aisle, and I panicked and I was walking all across the store and had no idea where I was going because I didn't know direction. I didn't know that my mom was on the aisle next to me. But I was panicking like my world was in. Could you imagine? That was just in, a, in Food Max or Food for Less, the only grocery store that we ever shopped at when I was a little kid. Now intensify that by a bazillion when you're lost in a fucking forest. Just think about that. Think of your worst childhood memory when you were a child being lost or feeling that you were lost. Now intensify that by one billion times. Fucking scary, right? Right. Without radios or any way to communicate with the outside world, the Martins came up with a plan. Clyde, Dennis's father, hiked nine miles to the Cades Cove Ranger Station for help. This dude hiked not nine miles to go get help. That's why, you know, that's why you need some walkie-talkies. Oh, this is uh, Dennis Martin. Just don't go, go. This is going go, over. You know what I mean? You, you, you got to have the walkies. Oh, we're over here. This is the Martin family. Over. Oh, we're lost. We have our child in a red shirt. Uh, we don't know which way he went. Ranger station. Over. Yeah, this is the ranger station. I'm over here. They gave him a little coffee right there. Just be out there. We out there, boy. I'll go without the little red shirt coming down the mountain. No, oh, there she comes. Yeah, copy that, Rangers. This is Dennis Martin now. My dad's over here coming down here. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I believe she'll be riding six white horses, and we'll be waiting for you right here down the bench. Over. You know what I mean? You 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 have to have some sort of communication with the outside world, or you're gonna be fucked, 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 like the fa- like the Martin family was. And again, my heart goes out to the Martin family. I mean, it's been several years. This happened in 1969. We are now in 2022. My condolences because we all know the outcome of this story. The area where Martin disappeared is marked by steep sloves and ravines. Wild animals such as copperhead snakes, bears, feral hogs, and bobcats inhabit the area. Temperatures on the night of June 14th dropped to nearly 50 degrees Fahrenheit. We think now living in the South, I mean, again, I live in the South. I live in Texas. A lot of people who live in warmer states understand that when it is hot during the day and it drops down to 50 degrees, we put on a light sweater, a little jumper, something to keep us cool, but keep us warm at the same time. Now, according to reports that Dennis didn't have any sort of jacket. So for a six-year-old, when the temperature drops 50 degrees, mind you, he's sweating at the same time. And if you're not familiar with the Great Smoky Mountains, which I'm pretty sure not not a lot of you are, it's always misty over there. It's always have like this misty, humid dew that just lingers inside of the woods. So now think about it. Six-year-old Dennis is covered in this misty dew. He's lost. He's sweating, he's paranoid, he's scared, and it's 50 degrees. That's, that's pretty fucking cold for a six-year-old child. When night fell, a thunderstorm moved in. In a matter of hours, the storm dropped three inches of rain on the Smoky Mountains, washing out trails and leaving behind no evidence of Dennis Martin, whose footprints would have been swept away by the deluge. Okay, again, for people who aren't familiar with the South, 
the South has some of the most craziest intense weather that I've ever witnessed. I lived in Washington and it snowed. I fucking hate the snow. It rained all the time, but it wasn't a torrential downpour. There was some kind of wind every now and again, but it wasn't insane wind. Bakersfield, California, we had dust storms. We had occasional rain that it would drop, but it wouldn't be as insane as it is here in the South. Now I'm living out here in Texas. And let me tell you something. When that rain hits, it is the most hard downpour rain. And it can last anywhere from 10 minutes to a fucking hour. It is. It rains so goddamn hard you cannot see outside of your windshield. And your poor windshield wipers are working a thousand miles per second and they just can't keep the rain off the windshield. You cannot see anything. The same in Tennessee. When we moved out, not we moved out, when we went out to Tennessee for vacation, there was a summer storm that hit in the in Tennessee. And it was it, that was my first real southern storm that I have ever experienced outside of Bakersfield. And let me tell you something, that shit was, it was scary. I, I, was, a, I was a young boy. I think I was like 19, 20, maybe 21 years old at the time, maybe even a little bit older. And it was, it was intense. The rain was so hard. The humidity boosted up to like over a thousand. It felt like, you know, I never dealt with humidity before, but Southern storms hit hard. They, they, the rain comes in quick without even notice. I mean, there's no sprinkle, sprinkle, and then downpour. Now you see a gray cloud and then all of a sudden just, just torrential downpour. And so in Tennessee, Kentucky, and all the other Southern states that are involved, Texas included, the rain can wash out. I mean, we flood in a matter of seconds. That, that's how bad the rain hits. So now think about it. You're in the woods without any civilization. And when I mean civilization, I mean, I mean there's no building structures. There's no drainage. It's just all natural, all natural drainage that the forest has. So you have a torrential downpour just beating the fuck out of stuff. And now it's washing away any sort of trail. It's washing away any sort of scent the dogs can't smell. Now, this kid who's only six years old now is at risk of drowning, getting stuck in the mud. I don't know about you, but I don't know any six-year-olds that can mimic Rambo first blood when he was lost in the, in the Washington mountains. So right there, I mean, I hate to say it, but we all know that, that is, that's all kinds of bad for the six-year-old. There is, it's a total loss, like my brother Chevy truck. Total loss. Boy, I tell you. And what sucks is that as a parent, you, you don't want to believe it, even though you know the reality. You don't want to admit it because the last thing you want to do, the last thing you want to think of. I don't even know why I say last. You don't ever want to think of your little child, your little cheering, dying. You don't want that. But yet, William Martin is faced with the reality that my kid is lost. He's six years old. A torrential downpour just hit the forest, it's washing away trails. Only The only way that we were able to find this kid has been washed away. Now my kid more than likely has been washed away and I will never find him again. Intense, man. This shit's heavy. So let's get into the search efforts. Obviously, if there's a child missing, and, th- and th- see, this, is, this is where I start becoming a conspiracy theorist. We all know that I do have some sort of little conspiracy theorist deep down inside of me. We know that. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not prevalent like other people that we know. You know what I mean? But there, are, there is a little bit of conspiracy theory inside of my bones. So with that, let's get into the search efforts. 
At 5 a.m. on June 15, 1969, the search for Dennis Martin commenced. The National Park Service put together a crew of 30. The search party quickly swelled to 240 people as volunteers poured in. 240 people. All right. That's not, that's not crazy. Volunteers, you know, depending on where you've been, this again, this is the late 60s, early 70s, where the, there's a tight-knit community in, in certain areas and certain neighborhoods, right? Right. So depending on on how well, how well liked these people were, it's going to determine how how big your volunteers are going to be, or how pressing the case is. And in this case, it's a little kid, six years old. So yeah, we're going to have some volunteers. Let's go out and let's go find this kid. Let's be the hero for the day. Dun da da da. Let's continue. The search party soon included park rangers, college students, firefighters, Boy Scouts, police, and sixty Green Berets. Now, let me read that line to you again. The search party soon included park rangers, college students, firefighters, Boy Scouts, police, and 60 Green Berets. Green Berets, special forces, military special forces jumped in on the six-year-old's search and rescue. Why? Why Green Beret? Did the Green Berets get called out for anybody else that was lost in the Smoky Mountains? I could not find any information. If you found any information that proves me wrong, please let me know. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram. Let me know. Without clear directions or an organizational plan, the searchers crossed the national park looking for evidence. Of course, I mean, you're going to start one end and, and cover the other. It's basic. It's basic track and rescue, and you you wanna you wanna make sure that you find what what you're looking for in in, in whatever area that that you're searching. Right, right. I mean, it, it's not it's common sense. Let's let's we don't have a plan of attack. Just you get one in, I get the other. People in the middle fill in. Let's go. Let's just fucking track and rescue and, and save this kid. Right. The search continued day after day with no sight of Dennis Martin. Helicopters and planes took to the air to search a growing patch of the National Park. On June 20th, Dennis's seventh birthday, nearly 800 people participated in the search. They included members of the Air National Guard, U.S. Coast Guard, and National Park Service. Hold the fuck on. Look. There's a famous case that I can't find any information on. I really want to do the episode on. I think her name is Daisy Fuentes. Or Daisy Herrera. She was a little kid that went missing back in the early 90s around my around my area of Bakersfield. She was a little girl. She went missing, and it was a high-profile case. But the Coast Guard didn't participate in it. The National Guard didn't participate in it. There was people that were lost in the very infamous river that was in, in California in Kern County, which is Hart Park. It's the Kern River. It's one of the, it's one, it's, 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 a, it's a deadly river. I lost, I personally lost a cousin to that river. And every year, multiple people go, get swept away and become lost and of course die with the currents of the river. But not once, not never, not once was the National Guard or Coast Guard dispatched out to go search for missing people in areas of a of a park 
But why now? Why why is the why is the Air National Guard and the US Coast Guard joining in on this search for this little 6-year-old boy? You would think that he was like the president's son or someone of importance, right? But I can't find anything that related this boy to anybody famous or of high profile. The the family wasn't they weren't they weren't billionaires or millionaires. They didn't own major portions or property of Tennessee. They're just normal average Joes. So why were Green Berets, the National Guard, and the Coast Guard involved in the search? I will get to that. The next day, the search efforts peaked at an astonishing 1,400 searchers. A week into the search, the National Park Service put together a plan for what to do if they recovered Dennis's body. That's the only thing, right? Common sense, right? Right. So... We have here 1,400 people, including, including Green Beret, National Guard, and the Coast Guard. Right? Right. But why? Why, why do we have so many people searching for this boy? And this is where the conspiracy theorist pops up on me. Because I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I mean, at this point, you have 1,400 people searching for this kid. It, 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 the, the temperature dropped. It, it downpoured rain. It washed out a bunch of trails and areas. You can't help but to think that the next thing that's going to happen is the recovery of a body. At least that's what I would think. And obviously, back in 1969, they were thinking the exact same thing. After 13 hours of searching... Nothing came up. Nothing happened. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Unfortunately, the volunteers may have accidentally destroyed clues about what happened to Dennis Martin. As the days flew past, it became more and more clear that the boy would not be found alive. You know, you have a huge search effort. Now you start to worry about... It, it, you have to start to worry about what kind of destruction and what kind of devastation is happening in these good efforts you know you have 1400 people that's 1400 people some of them who they don't have tracking experience they don't have a way to find people they just do it they're just looking like uh what's this over here what's that over there so in in reality they're doing more harm than good by destroying the very clues that they're looking for that they're hoping to find on another day, a boy wearing a red, a red T-shirt and off-green shorts was spotted walking in Cades Cove Campground. It turned out his name was Michael and he was from Kansas. Rangers asked his parents in light of the ongoing search to please change his shirt. Can you imagine how deflating that is? How, how gut-wrenching that, that was? How unbelievably disappointing that was? You see a boy around the same age walking around with a red shirt and off green shorts, which was the exact same clothing that the, that Dennis was wearing only to find out that it wasn't him only to find out that the efforts are futile and this kid remains missing. And then the ranger's going to tell you to make sure that you change your kid's shirt. Fuck out of here. I'm not changing my kid's shirt. That's his favorite shirt. Biatch. Fuck the police. You know what I mean? 
Well, except for if they're helping me find somebody to not fuck the police. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The search and rescue effort gradually lost steam with no sight of Dennis Martin. The family offered a reward of 5000 for information regarding his disappearance. In response, they received a flood of calls from psychics claiming to know what happened to their son. Look, I understand that. Okay, check it out. I understand that there has been some cases where psychics have been able to correctly guess something off of a vision or a feeling that they had. I, I get it, but psychics are so hit and miss. You don't know who's a wackadoo and who's really the doo-doo. You know what I mean? You don't really know exactly what is to come. And then you have, you know, several hundred psychics calling you saying, why have a vision where your boy is at? He's right here by the tree. By what tree? The tree in the forest. Okay. Where? The one right there the, with the brown trunk and the leaves on it. Okay. You know, that's the entire forest, right? No, you don't understand me. He's right by the tree trunk next to the rock with all the leaves scattered right next to that bush that has another tree right behind it. Your boy is right there. I found it. I solved it. I'm the greatest psychic of the world. Look, man, if you don't shut your dumb ass fake Miss Cleo having ass up and give me some real goddamn information, get off my goddamn phone right now. You know, how frustrating would it be? You know, because I mean, as a parent, you don't want to disregard any sort of clue, even if it's a wild goose chase, even if it's a, a, an endless labyrinth of nothing. It's inconclusive. You still want to exhaust every tip and every pointer and every possible clue that can bring you to finding your son again. So I get it. But how exhausting would it be? And how disheartening and how annoying would it be after a while that every clue that you've taken on comes up empty? Fucking annoying. I mean, goddamn. So obviously he's never been found. I mean, I, I wouldn't be doing this on the missing persons, like I said in the in the beginning of, of the episode. Or I wouldn't be talking about it like he's never been found because he hasn't been found. I mean, that's inevitable. You get lost in the, in the Appalachian Trail and the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee after a torrential downpour. And, and you're six years old. It, it's, it's not a good outcome. And obviously the parents knew that. They just weren't ready to admit it. So let's continue. More than half a century later, no one knows what happened to Dennis Martin the day he went missing in the Smoky Mountains. The most plausible theories range from abduction to having died of exposure and eaten by a bear or feral pigs in the park. Okay, so let me pause right there. The most, and here's the thing, is that the most plausible things are range from abduction, which it could possibly have. There's people that hike around the, the Smoky Mountains all the fucking time. And there's not the best people in the world walking around in woodsy areas, all inconspicuous and suspicious-like. You know what I mean? But here's the most plausible, here, here's the most realistic thing for me, is that he could have been eaten by feral hogs. For you city folk who aren't, familiar with wild hogs they are some of the most meanest sons of bitches that has ever walked the face of this fucking earth feral hogs are mean they down in houston there was a pack or a herd i don't know what they're called 
a pack of, of wild hogs down in Houston. I mean, we have them all over Texas and there's them I mean, in California. They're, they're, wild hogs are everywhere. They're invasive species. And these sons of bitches gets up to like two, 300 pounds. They're big boys. Well, there's a pack of feral hogs that were down in Houston and this lady who lived kind of on the outskirts of, of civilization. Again, Texas is a very rural place, even though we have some of the major biggest cities in the United States. Texas is still very rural. You can just go right outside of town and you'll be definitely outside of town in the middle of nowhere. Well, this particular lady, she lived just outside of town. She lived kind of out in the country and she was going to her car when she encountered a pack of wild pigs. And don't you know that these fucking pigs killed her and ate her? This is not a joke. You can Google it. Houston woman eaten or killed by wild hogs. They killed her and she wasn't even being aggressive. She was just trying to get to her car. So this kid who was only six years old, think about the, the different height and weight versus this grown-ass woman compared to the six-year-old kid. My bet is he ran into a pack of feral pigs and he was eaten by these pigs. They said, are you hungry for a nice, juicy, tasty meat? Come and eat this kid because he's nice to treat. Are you aching? Bah, bah. For the six-year-old. Yep, yep. I can be a big pig too. Oi. Is that too soon? Too soon, right? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't be making jokes about that. But a bear is also, a bear is very possible as well. But I don't really hear, I think in the Smoky Mountains, I think there's some brown bear. I think they might have some grizzlies, but I know that they have more black bears. And I don't really know too much of black bear attacks and eating people. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's happened because they're bears and they do what bears do. But my money is on the feral pigs. I think that pigs have most definitely been the cause and, and the perpetrator in the missing of this kid and the inability to find exactly where this boy is at. Now, but Grumbler, they would have found his shirt and his clothes. Absolutely not. When pigs start to eat, they eat whatever is there. Clothing, it doesn't fucking matter. They eat everything that's there because they don't care. They, they don't discriminate. I mean, you have an iron let you have an iron belly inside of this inside of these goddamn eating machines, these dumpster cans, and they'll just eat whatever they want. So my money actually is on the feral pigs. What do you guys think? Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram. I want to know your opinion. Let me know what you think. Brian, I know you're listening and I know you're gonna give me your opinion. Uh Chewbox, I know you're gonna give me your opinion as well. And I greatly appreciate it. So let's let, let's let's find out what 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 are the other theories again? One of the conspiracy theorists is going to come out in me here at the end of this at the end at the very end. That way I can tell you what what the theories are and what I think actually happened. But some people believe Dennis Martin was the victim of a more vicious attack by cannibalistic feral humans who are said to live undetected in the national park. Well, yeah, you heard that right. Let me repeat that. But some people believe Dennis Martin was the victim of a more vicious attack by cannibalistic feral humans who are said to live undetected in the national park. Why are there cannibalistic people living in the national park? Have you guys ever watched that movie, Wrong Turn? That one takes in Virginia, which isn't very far from Tennessee. Now... Virginia, that, that, that's a fucked up place too. But if you watch that movie, Wrong Turn, Wrong 2, 1, and 2 are, the, are probably the best ones. Watch those films. Get back at me, Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. And let me know if you think what I'm saying is correct. 
Okay. But I wouldn't put it past. I mean, think about it. You're in the, you're in the backwoods of Tennessee. You're in the backwoods of Tennessee in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by trees and brush. Of course, there can be people hiding around there. Of course, there are going to be people who have adapted to the land and been able to survive off of based off of whatever meat and food substance they have available to them. You know, you have people, get, again, people are lost in the Smoky Mountains quite often, and more often than not, they're not found. Their body isn't recovered. So they just go on milk cartons and missing papers and unsolved mysteries. So let's continue. The reason nothing was ever found of his body or clothing was because they were hidden far from you in the safety of their colony. So this is still talking about the cannibals that... The reason why nothing was hidden was that because they knew that they're that they're dealing with civilized people, so to speak. They're going to hide any sort of evidence that they have within their little colony, their little community in the deep of the forest. Is it far-fetched? Absolutely not. Watch that movie, Wrong Turn, and get back at me, bro. The cannibalistic theory isn't far-fetched. There are cannibals that live in the good old USA. Look it up. Trust me. So, okay, so that's one theory. I mean, you have somebody who lives in the woods who is very familiar with every track trail, regardless if it's washed out, regardless if it's snowed, regardless if there's fog or mist. It doesn't matter. These people understand the lay of the land and are able to maneuver it very efficiently without any guides or help. Again, these people are red, they're bred, they're born and just, just completely engulfed in the exact meaning of the forest. So I'm not going to put the cannibalistic theory out of reach. I'm going to put a pin on that and we're going to get back to that at the end of the, of the episode. For their part, Martin's family believes someone may have kidnapped their son. Harold Key was seven miles from Spencefield the day Dennis Martin went missing. That very afternoon, Key heard a sickening scream. Then Key spotted an unkept stranger hurrying through the woods. Now, I want you to remember what I just said, that, the, that Key spotted an unkept stranger hurrying through the woods. Key was a, a hiker that was in that same area around that same time, but they weren't so close to each other, but they were in the vicinity of, of one another. I mean, they're, I'm pretty sure they're like a couple miles apart, maybe not even that far. But according to this other hiker, Harold Key, Key, he, he heard a sickening scream. This was quoted from him saying, I heard a sickening scream, more like a child screaming for help. The child, of the, or excuse me, the, the, the sound and tone of the scream was that he was being hurt and he was scared and he was being taken somewhere against his will. But remember, Key said that they spotted an un kept stranger hurrying through the woods unkept my I'm keep, I keep repeating that cuz I want you to keep that inside of your brain all right let's continue was the event connected with the disappearance the 6 year old may have wandered off and found himself lost in the woods the terrain marked with steep ravines may have hidden Marn's body or wildlife may have attacked the child we've already gotten into that but think about it the steep ravines if, the, if, if, the, if Dennis would have fallen down one of these ravines, there would have been no way that anybody would have found him because they, the, the things would have been too steep for anyone to navigate 
confidently, right? Right. Again, we're dealing with, with uncharted territory in the Smoky Mountains back in the 60s, early 70s. So the, the terrain was a lot different now than what it was back then. It was a, back then, it was a lot more natural than what it is now. Now, of course, there's been millions and billions of people to walk through the national forest at any given time throughout the year. But back then, back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all want me. Mike Jones. I'm sorry. I just had to do that. Back to the, back, back to the show. <laughs> However, no one can find any sort of evidence, clue, or anything regarding this kid. If Dennis would have fallen into a ravine, it would have made sense. He would have just been drowned by the rain or suffocated by the mud. Let's continue. Years after Dennis disappeared, a ginseng hunter found a child skeleton about three miles downhill from where Dennis went missing. The man waited to report the skeleton since he'd illegally taken ginseng from the national park. Look, all right, I don't care if you're doing anything illegal. You're poaching. Is it worth waiting to report a human skeleton just to save yourself from a fine or whatever might happen to you? This is back in the 60s. I'm pretty sure they didn't go to prison for poaching ginseng. I'm pretty sure that that wasn't a big deal. You might get slapped with a huge fine, but you're going to wait how long? How long are you going to wait before you're going to report the finding of human remains? I mean, look, everybody in that area were very familiar with the case. Everyone was familiar in that state and surrounding states that this child has been missing for quite some time. So if you're very well aware of the fact that there was a missing child who was lost in that area and you found what you believe to be kid, a kid, a kid's skeleton, why would you wait to report it? Why? All because you were worried about about poaching ginseng, collecting ginseng illegally? You know, just based off of that, homeboy should have been slapped for two years in jail for being a little baby back bitch. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I would have done. But in 1985, the ginseng hunter contacted a park service ranger. The ranger put together a group of 30 seasoned rescuers, but they could not find the skeleton. So here, hear me out. All right. This dude waited how many years, maybe however long, but, you know, weeks, even if he waited a day or two, if, if wild animals decided, like, this looks like a perfect bone for me to chew on for the next hour, this shit is mine, they're going to take that shit and just move it. Now, let's go back to the cannibals. Can, if you've survived in the dense brush, in the dense forest for years and years and years, you know very well not to leave clues lying around. So if they seen this gene, this ginseng hunter or this ginseng gatherer walking about in the same area where this kid was stripped from his bones, they're going to realize, yo, we need to move that skeleton because number one, it's not Halloween. And number two, I don't want to get caught. So send, send Billy Bob out there and let's go get this shit taken care of, my boy. Let's hide this shit so no one can have any trace ever again. Now, 
I would have slapped this motherfucker with a goddamn book for not reporting it and then going back and say, oh, so you made a false report. All right, you know you done fucked up, right? You know you done fucked up. So let's get, let's, oh boy, I tell you. I'm almost to my theories. I'm almost to what I think might have happened and what makes me a conspiracy theorist. So mistakes were made. Obviously, later on down the years, you look back on the efforts that were taken in order to recover the body or this child. One or the other, they were, they, that the 1400 person search and rescue team, they were looking for this kid. And of course, mistakes were made. Mistakes are always made with a, with a project or an operation that large, especially when you have a bunch of inexperienced people who aren't really keen on what to tread on and what not to tread on. You know, tread lightly. Don't tread on me. So let's get into it. Looking back, Dwight McCarter thinks the search, while well-intended, ended up hurting the best efforts to find the boy. With so many searchers tromping around the grounds, valuable clues that could have been tracked ended up being trampled and destroyed. That's what I fucking said earlier. Now, who is this Dwight McCarter? Dwight McCarter was actually one of the members of the original Ranger team, not the, not the Army Rangers, but the Park Ranger team to start looking and searching for this, this wee little boy. And even now, he was saying that, yo, we could have done worse than what we could have done good, and we fucked up the whole thing. We just, we, we, it was FUBAR, fucked up beyond all recognition. And again, you have the good intentions. You want to help these people out. But at the same time, you can't have an operation that large and still preserve valuable clues and information that's going to help recover the boy alive or dead. He was saying, quote, it messed up all the tracks. If you're a tracker, that's the worst thing for you to do. And quote, McCarter, who was 73 at the time of this statement, said Dennis Martins was the first search that McCarter was involved in the park. At the time, he'd only been with the Park Service for a few years. According to reports, during his decades in the Smokies, McCarter took part in dozens of searches. Having learned tracking tips from his grandmother as a boy, he became proficient at finding people others could not. So we have a well-established tracker. We have someone who has an idea of what to do, what to look for, and how to preserve evidence. However, with a 1,400-person crew... Shit's going to get fucked up. You're not going to have the same success with a bunch of people who know nothing versus one person who knows a lot. So it just, you just, you just fuck things up. Again, I'm going to get into my theories. Hold on. The episode's not over. Later on in his career, as he gained seniority, experience, and respect for his tracking skills, he'd be able to direct the search for missing people in the Smokies. But in 1969, he was still relatively new to the park staff. It wasn't his place to tell others what to do. Look, I understand that there's a chain of command. And I understand that you need to know your place when it comes to things like this because it is very valuable on, on order. You don't want chaos and disarray in a time of, of desperation. We understand that. However, if you have valuable tips and tricks, you make yourself heard. And you walk up there and say, look, motherfucker, this is what we're going to do because I said so. Now call this team off and bring them back here and we'll coordinate an event. We'll coordinate a plan to execute this properly and I will lead the way. Do not follow me until I tell you to and do not fuck anything else up. You heard? Now sit your ass down before I get angry. He should have taken charge and, and made it a point. Don't sit back in the back and stay quiet 
knowing that you have the skills that could potentially bring back this child alive. At the very worst, at least they would have recovered his body so the family can have closure. But you don't just sit back and not say anything. You, you step up and say, look, man, I'm in charge. I'm the captain now. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm in charge. You don't sit back and not, boy, I tell you. Leaders have the loudest voice. Followers stay quiet. Mark, listen to that saying, okay? I don't know who said it. I just said it right now because it sounded great. Leaders have the loudest voice. Followers stay quiet. Let's continue. All these years later, there's no telling where the child's remains are, assuming he died in the park. With the passage of time, layers of forest debris have piled up maybe an inch a year. So you can imagine, Dennis was lost in 1969. At the time, this is 2017. Where would you look? Question mark. Where would you look? You have nowhere to look. You Are you going to dig? I mean, 2017, this happened in 1969. That's X amount of years. I'm not a math magician. I'm not a mathologist. So I can't do that shit in my head real quick, all right? I only have a good enough diploma. So I'm not going to do the math. You do the math. 1969 at the time of this report is 2017. That's X amount of years of, of forest dew building up. Where are you going to look if 1,400 people couldn't find them originally when it the when the, the event occurred, when the missing happened when the kid was Gonskis. There's nowhere to find the kid, right? What happened to the kid? Let's get into that. Let's get into theories. This is what I've been waiting for, my boy. This is what I've been waiting for. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I don't know. I don't know what song that is. I just It just felt right. I felt it in my bones, so I just let it out. In regards to what happened to the boy, most researchers believe he became disoriented and lost after staying away from camp or that he lost his footing and fell down one of the numerous steep slopes and ravines in that area, which is very plausible. That is a a realistic approach and a realistic thought and a realistic way that this kid could have been lost in the forest forever. If you're not familiar with the terrain, and you're a six-year-old boy that has nothing but red shirts, penny loafers, and some shorts on, and you fall down a steep slope, down a mountain, or down a ravine, you're fucked. There's nothing that's going to, you're not going to be able to recover from that. You're not Spider-Man. You can't Spider-Webby your way out of that shit. You can't climb out of an area that you can't get a grip on since you're six years old. So realistically speaking, that is probably the most logical way on how he can he, he was never found. I, I just don't understand why people again, I wasn't there. I just I'm just going off a report, so I can't really say much, but I'm just curious to know why wasn't place dug up? Why I mean I, I'm pretty sure there was there was uh uh, hound dogs and, and other tracking dogs that w- that were brought in in order to, to help pick up a scent. I'm pretty sure that that was that happened, and it's just bizarre to me that they never found the body. Never, they didn't even find a shirt. They, they didn't find anything. Not one hint of evidence that that boy was still in the mountains. Despite wearing a bright shirt that would have been seen for searchers to spot, Martin's small size and the thick brush in the area means a body could well have been overlooked. That's fact. The body could have definitely been overlooked because he was six years old. I'm pretty sure he was thin-framed. But with the bright red shirt, 1,400 people, they might have... I mean, it sticks out like a sore thumb. You have 
a bright red shirt in the midst of brown, black, and green color schemes. You're going to be able to spot something that is not of those colors very easily. And you have 1,400 people looking for, number one, a red shirt. Number two, a boy wearing that red shirt. You're telling me that they did not find one speck of shred of evidence that the boy was even around. They didn't find any articles of clothing. Why? Why? Answer me that, Graveyard Grumbler at uh, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com, Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram. I want to know what your theory is. Why couldn't they find any evidence or any clothing of this boy? Let me know. I'm going to tell you my theories here in a little bit. Other researchers point to the presence of black bears in the area, as well as copperheads and feral pigs. One underweight bear had been caught in a boar trap in the area two weeks earlier before being released, suggesting that the animals may have been struggling to find enough food. Again, that is a very plausible take, but I don't know of many black bear attacks where they, they, they ate somebody. Again, hungry animals are going to eat regardless of what the meat is. That is very true. That is very, very true. However, even if a black bear had fucked up this kid, there would have been blood and other evidence left from the bear. The bear isn't going to eat the entire body of a kid. The frame, the, the, the skeleton, the, the bones, the bear is not going to eat the bones. If you look at, at, at other evidence when bears eat deer, they eat fish, they eat the inside, they eat the meat, tear it open, tear the flesh off, eat all the flesh, eat all the meat. And then leave the bones. They leave the skeleton. A bear, I'm, I'm taking the bear out of question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, take the bear out of, out of the play. The book, that bear is not in my playbook anymore. All right? Fuck that black bear. If, if I'm wrong, show me evidence. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyardgrumbler podcast on Instagram. I will upload portions of this show on that so, you can, so I, the comments will be open. Or you can DM me. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram. But I don't, I don't think a black bear fucked up the kid. So my two theories right now, before I get into more, my two theories are, number one, he fell down a ravine, a slope, and ended up being buried by the mud and water and died that way and just ended up being buried by the intensity of the water and mud that had just overtaken his body. Number two, we'll get to number two in a minute. Martin's father, however, believes that his son was taken by another person. This theory appears to be based largely on the eyewitness account of Harold Key, a visitor to the park that reported hearing a loud scream on the afternoon Martin disappeared. But before that, let me get into my second one. The wildlife, we're obviously going to think that the wild pigs, wild pigs are fucking assholes. They will eat anything and everything that they can. They will leave literally nothing. And then that, that's, I mean, look it up. Look up wild pigs and what they eat and how they eat. They will, they will eat anything and everything they can. So wild pigs and the fact that he fell down a ravine are my two guests that what happened to him. More so, I think that he just fell down a ravine inside of some area that he was unable to get out of and was drowned and buried by the moving earth from the torrential downpour from the storm that moved in. That's my number one theory. But 
Now my conspiracy theory though. Now my conspiracy theory, I'll get to my conspiracy theory after I read you all the rest of this stuff. Shortly after, he claims to have seen a disheveled man covered in hair and attempting to remain unseen, fleeing through the woods. Key's family elaborated that the figure had a red object slung over his shoulder, matching the clothing Martin was wearing. Boom. Did you hear that shit? The Key's family, this was the family that was hiking in that general area, that same, the vicinity of where this child became missing, said that they saw a man fleeing through the woods. but. Over his shoulder, he had a red object matching the clothing Martin was wearing. Now listen to this, all right? Now listen to this. Despite the report, FBI investigators ultimately dismissed it, given that the sighting had taken place more than five miles where Martin had vanished and Key was unclear on the timeline. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. You're telling me You're telling me that a lost little kid who was panicking, running away in an area that he didn't know couldn't cover five miles? Bullshit. Bullshit. I call bullshit on that. If you think about it, how panic... Whenever you're panicked, how quickly do you you realize how much ground you covered? Hold on. that That makes sense in my head. Okay, so when you're panicking and you start walking faster trying to get away from whatever you feel is after you. And then you turn around and you realize, holy shit, I I covered a lot of ground in X amount of minutes. You, you, You don't realize it until after it's over. Now this kid is six years old, scared, alone, terrified. How many miles do you think this kid could have covered running in the direction that he thought he just left? Five miles for a six-year-old is not out of it. That, that is not impossible. That is not something that should have been overlooked. Now, FBI investigators ultimately dismissed it, giving that the sighting had taken place more than five miles from where Martin had vanished. And Key was unclear on the timeline. Of course you're not going to be clear on the timeline. Who is clear on the timeline? No one. No one knows what's going on. You, 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 you just realize that, hey, that looks kind of suspicious. But you don't, you don't act on it. Why? Because we're taught to mind our business. But I'm going to get into that. Why would the FBI dismiss it? it is not, it's not unrealistic for a child to cover five miles in a wooded area being scared and alone. Key later speculated that the man may have been a moonshiner, explaining his reluctance to be seen. One retired park ranger lamented the failure to properly follow up either the footprints or the sighting of the rough-looking man. Did you hear that? One retired park ranger lamented the failure to properly follow up either the footprints or the sightings of the rough-looking man. They pretty much said, uh, out of sight, out of mind, we're not going to investigate this, even though someone saw him sl- with, with someone saw this dude walking through the forest, running through the forest, trotting through the forest with some red object over his shoulder. But the FBI dismissed it. The park rangers didn't do more to follow up on it. They, they just disregarded the footprints 
or try to follow in the direction that this individual went to. Why? Why do you think that was? I'm going to tell you in a little bit. The ranger arguing that as the location of the sighting was downhill from where Martin disappeared, it was more than reasonable for a relatively fit individual to cover that distance in the time frame, even carrying a child. This was coming from one of their own. This is coming from one of the park rangers who were involved in the fucking search. The park ranger argued that the location of the sighting was downhill from where Martin disappeared. It was more than reasonable for a relatively fit individual to cover that distance in the time frame, even carrying a child. Now, I'm check it out. I'm getting there, okay? I'm, I'm getting there. Just, just hold on. I know you're at the edge of your seat. Because I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat. It's not because I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm anxious and excited, but also because I feel my back is tensing up and I feel a little twitch coming on, but we're, we're good. We're good. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. One of the most popular theories involved wild men, feral humans who lived in the mountains and go about snatching livestock and children at night. There are videos on YouTube and social media, not of the wild men, of course, but of authoritative sounding people discussing the wild men and the FBI cover-up as if it's simply common knowledge. Why would they be covering up wild, feral men? No, let me continue. These wild men are something akin to little big feet. People believe there are humans who have lived in the wild so long they are closer to beasts than men. Some believe they have their own language and apparently quite a putrid smell that forewarns of their arrival, which is just ineffective feraling, if you ask me. Allegedly, they're cannibals too. Makes you wonder what they're doing with the livestock. Wild men could be descendants of mountain people who went deep into the forest before there was a park and like the tribes of the rainforest operate outside the realm of society. Look, is that far-fetched? Absolutely not. There were wild men in the mountains of Washington that we were warned about to not go hiking deep in certain areas because they are a colony of wild mountain men that lived off the land. They lived off the grid and were very territorial and very protective of their area, of their fellow mountain men. No, they're not bums. They're not homeless people. I'm talking about deep in the the, uh, evergreens of Washington. I'm talking about deep in the forest of Washington. There were legitimate mountain men that lived out there in tents, in little huts, so it's not, it's not far-fetched, but that's not my theory, okay? That, that's not what I'm talking about. Let's, I'm going to get into it right now. One guy who made a very nice video walking his fairly rotund weenie dog through a cemetery speculated that a feral person could be indigenous people who slipped away before the Trail of Tears and survived in the forest well into the 1900s. Very realistic. He added that some of the feral people spoke English, others their own language, and still others were without discernible speech. The same guy indicated his uncles were paid by the FBI to hunt the feral population prior to Dennis's disappearance. The same guy indicated his uncles were paid by the FBI to hunt the feral population prior to Dennis's disappearance. The same FBI that said, eh, it's not realistic that this person was carrying Dennis away. That's not realistic. It was too far away. 
The, it was five miles. It was not the same guy. We're just going to let him go without any clues, without any searching, without any investigation, without any prior or any prodding or poking into who this guy was. Now listen to this. Remember those Vietnam Green Beret? Our friends with conspiracy theories would have us believe they weren't there as part of a search party. People theorized that their real mission was to find feral humans. Okay, that's the end of the episode. I mean, that's the end of the information, but let me get into my theory. So the Green Berets were there. Why would you have Green Berets or why would you have military personnel? If, if you're not familiar with, the, with, with special forces in USA or special forces from around the world, Green Berets here in America are very elite forces of the military. Why or oh why would they have Green Berets on a search and rescue mission on a plain average Joe six-year-old? Question mark. My answer, number one, what if it was fucking Bigfoot, huh? What if it was Bigfoot that snatched up this boy and was able to navigate the woods in, in the exact way that he was able to with, the, with ease? Now think about it. A six-year-old boy might weigh close to 100 pounds, give or take, depending on what kind of diet the child had. They may, be, they may have weighed between 60 to 100 pounds, maybe just over 100, depending on, on the size of the kid. So we'll say 70 pounds, 65 pounds, just for good measure, right? Right. For an average person of decent fitness, they would have been able to, they would have probably been able to run the flatlands pretty quickly, but up to be able to navigate with 60 to 70 pounds of weight on your shoulder may have caused difficulty. Now, if you think it was Sasquatch, now, mind you, there have been Sasquatch sightings in the Appalachian Trail. There have been Sasquatch sightings in the Smoky Mountains. Look it up. Do you believe in Bigfoot? I don't believe in Bigfoot, but right now with this story, I might believe in Bigfoot a little bit more. Because it it just makes sense. If they're worried about cannibalistic feral humans, what if it's a colony of Bigfoot? Or would it be Big Feet? (laughs) What if it was a colony? What if in 1969, that was the last organized Bigfoot colony before they separated because they were discovered? There was no video cameras. They didn't have any cameras back then. They didn't have an iPhone 13, the greatest phone ever made, just because it's iPhone. They didn't have any of that. But what if it was Bigfoot? What if this was the most realistic abduction of a human by a Bigfoot? They, Mr. Keys specifically said he looked, he was unkept, he was shaggy as fuck, and he had this six-year-old thrown over his shoulder. He didn't say that he had difficulty navigating the woods. He didn't say that he was struggling as he was walking by. No, he was navigating the forest with ease. Now, if you're a big motherfucker like Bigfoot and you've been in and out of the the Smoky Mountains your entire life, you're going to navigate the woods with fucking ease. You're going to know, especially if you're if you're built for that type of that type of, of terrain, you're going to go through it without any issues, right? Right. What if it was Bigfoot? Let me know. Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram. 
Let me know. This is my theory, okay? I think that, yes, he was abducted. I don't think it was by a serial rapist. I don't think that it was by a, a child murderer. I don't think he was abducted by, by a human. But more, more than likely, he was probably abducted by a fucking Bigfoot. I mean, okay, well, in reality, he might have been eaten by feral hogs or re realistically, he fell down a ravine, drowned, and was buried by the mud. But that wouldn't explain, that would not explain why no dogs were able to find him. It wouldn't explain why, why, why people couldn't find him. Now, they searched this place with helicopters, screaming his name out. But there was no answer. Did you see what I'm, you see, are you picking up what I'm putting down right now? What if this person, this, this creature man beast that they saw carrying this, this red object on his shoulder was actually fucking Bigfoot? Look, I'm not a Bigfoot believer. I don't believe Bigfoot is real. But I'm not saying Bigfoot is not real. What I'm saying is that it is a great possibility that if in 1969, Bigfoot wanted to have a snack and, and eat the other white meat the other other white meat and snatched himself up a kid. It would make sense why there was no sounds made because he was able to do it in, in the quiet stillness of, of, of his hunting professional skills. It would have made sense why there was no, no clothing evidence because he knows that if he leaves this behind that they're going to find him and going to fuck him up. He understood and was able to get away pretty much undetected and left alone to do whatever he had to do with his child. Do I believe there's cannibalistics? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's cannibals in, in the Smoky Mountains. I don't doubt that. Watch the wrong turn. Get at me, bro. But I think even cannibals would have been too messy and left clues lying around in order for them to find out exactly what happened. But a Bigfoot? I mean, this dude is the, is the hide-and-seek champion for the last 200 or 2,022 years. Even longer. I don't know how long the world has ever existed. I think we're like over a million years old now. So we'll just put it now. Well, I'm just going to say in, in, human, in human construction, in human relativity or, or, or human presence, the Bigfoot has not been found for over 2,000 years. And you're telling me that Mr. Keyes saw a disheveled, hairy man with a red object over his shoulder navigating the forest with very little difficulty, with ease pretty much, but, was, but wasn't tracked, wasn't found. I, I, I think it's Bigfoot. Let me know what you think. Brian, Chewbox, who knows? Now, the other, the other theory is that he was abducted by aliens. You know, I believe in aliens. I believe aliens are real. However, I feel that there would have been too much noise or too much noticeable equipment for him to be abducted undetected. I mean, think about it. You have 1,400 people. You even had air units searching the entire area and not one sort of un identified flying object was discovered. Not a weird flash in the sky, not a weird noise, nothing. Now, if you're familiar with alien abductions like I am, I'm sort of an unprofessional expert. 
if you don't mind. But every single alien abduction has one of several clues. Lights, loud noise, uh, what else is it? Um, of course, seeing the spaceship. And the person can identify, but the person wasn't found this time. So there was no loud, loud lights. There wasn't no whirling sounds or sort of mechanical ob- or uh, sounds whining, whining through the sky because the family would have heard that, right? Right. There was no unidentified flying objects. There were no weird, creepy lights in the sky. None of that was reported. So the only thing left, fucking Bigfoot. Bigfoot snatched up this boy and said, yummy, yummy to my tummy. Get in my belly. Look, man, if you, if you, don't, think it's, you don't think it's true, let me know. You know my social, Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram.com. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Hit me up, bro. Let me know what you think. Graveyard Grumbler's final rap. I mean, though, I already gave my final rap of the Bigfoot thing. But I, I think, look, man, I don't believe in Bigfoot. I really don't. But in this, this case, I might believe in Bigfoot. Just in this one instance. I mean, we have grainy videos all the time. And we have some of the most advanced cell phone footage cameras. I mean, cell phone cameras known to man. But we can't get a, a still or a, a nice clear video, a, a, a 1040p video of Bigfoot wandering through the woods of, of Washington or through the Smoky Mountains. We're going to get grainy footage each and every time. No. In this case, I believe that this, is, this was Bigfoot that fucked this kid up. Why do you think there was no evidence? There was no remains. There was no blood trails. There was nothing. He took him back to his cave and had him for lunch. Bottom line. That's my theory. I, I, again, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but in this case, I believe in Bigfoot. Chewbox, there you go. You have, my, you, you have my answer. You asked me when you first told me about it what I thought it was. And now that I've read through the evidence and now this unidentified man was all hairy and disheveled running through the forest with some red object sling over his shoulder, it was Bigfoot. Bigfoot snatched up this kid and said, I want my meal to go. Can you please put my happy meal on my shoulder? And we're gone. Yep. I, I, I think in this case, in this, in this episode, in this report, this missing person, I believe it was Bigfoot. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't believe it was feral cannibals because they would have left too, many, too much evidence. I don't believe it was someone who abducted anybody because they would have left too many, too many evidence or too much evidence. I believe that in this case, it was Bigfoot. And you can, you can, you can at me all you want. Say that that I'm I'm wrong, but in this case, I believe Bigfoot snatched up this little boy. Bottom line, that's why they, that's why the case remains unsolved, and they can't find any evidence of his remains. Not one, not even a fucking shoe, not even a shoelace, not even a hair can they find of this little boy. He was taken deep up in the mountains of the Smoky Mountains, inside of a cave with Bigfoot and probably his Bigfoot family, and it was a smorgasbord. That's my, that's my theory. We're going to end the show there. I just want to give a couple of uh, shout outs again. Thank you very, very much to all of my listeners. I do apologize for the long, long hiatus. Again, work was, work was overbearing and I, I had a back injury, which put me out of commission. I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't even walk. I was just laid up on the floor and it's very difficult for me to try to record when all my equipment's on my desk. So I do want to apologize for the long hiatus. I am back. 
like scoliosis. I'm back like herpes. I'm back not like your baby's daddy. I'm back. So I'm going to try to keep this more regular. Uh, again, work has been just killing me lately. It's been, I've been trying to, trying not to get overwhelmed with work, but it's just, it's just beating me down at times. So uh, again, I, I, the long hiatus is gone. I've been gone for like a month, I believe. So I want to apologize deeply to all my listeners, to all my fans. Again, I am back. Be prepared for more, more episodes to come out. Uh, they will be on a, on a weekly basis at the very least bi-weekly, but I will have episodes out. So I want to thank everybody. And as always, Good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end, this is the end, this is the end. Beautiful friend, 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 friend. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Grumbler.